friends, and welcome to what possibly is going to be a rather extraordinary edition of the GMS Magazine podcast, The RPG Room. I am Paco Garcia, your host, and today I am actually very, very interested in recording this episode. So interested, in fact, that we are recording at what it is quarter to two in the morning where I live, and that's Valencia, Spain, by the way, the real Valencia, not the Valencia the, the Americans had invented in the United States. That's not the real Valencia. I am in the real Valencia. And it's quarter to two, and as you can tell, I am pretty pumped up about this topic because my beloved co-host, yes, I said co-host. Um, <laughs> he said co-host, not beloved. <laughs> has just now suggested it. Jimbo, this is your fault. Yes, this is all my fault. Whatever happens and from now on is your fault. Technically, this is Brian Berg's fault from TPK Games. He gave me a copy of 5E, and it's become my bathroom reading. And so... Really? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I didn't have a copy until two, three days ago. Oh, I have one of those um, Jehovah's Witnesses magazines in my toilet. Yeah. I can tell you it's not a good substitute. Um anyhow, let's not dwell on that. Um Right, the episode of today. The episode of today. Um let's see if I can get this episode topic correct. Um we are gonna be talking about whether having a busy layout or lots of graphics or whatever is a good thing or a bad thing, something like that. Uh, tell me, tell me what are we talking about tonight? Yeah, we're talking about how where where fantasy graphic design in role playing games has is has come, and I want to talk a little bit about where it was and where where it ended up, and now where it is today, and then talk about how ugly this book is. What book are we talking about? Five E. It's not ugly. It's busy, and busy equals ugly. No, it does not. Some of this art is so pretty. Some of it is so pretty. And there are good pages in here. Don't get me wrong. But we're getting way ahead of ourselves. Okay, yes. We're getting way ahead of ourselves. So um, I have to say my fifth edition books are at my cafe. And I am at home at the moment. Therefore, I cannot open those books to see how pretty or not pretty or ugly or busy they are or not. So I'm going to be talking from memory which is a very, very unreliable thing to do. So basically I'm saying, listeners, don't trust me. Um, and don't trust you neither. Don't trust me. Don't trust me at all. No, no, no judge for the matter. Um, so, okay. Firstly, firstly, let Firstly, let us... I think graphic design has always been an afterthought in this hobby. When, yes. when it started, it was just mimeographs and bad topography and just put it out as fast as you could. Um, and then somewhere in the 80s and maybe early 90s, things started to improve and games started to get really good looking because computers were more ubiquitous when it came to um, people being able to lay out their books. Okay. Are you following so far? Yes. Um, I mean, may do you I say, even agree? Yes, I do agree. Maybe but wait a second before we continue. I am going to credit Mark Choir because he is the person in Facebook who actually asked that question and said, what is uh, graphic design and you said right so what is graphic design right so in my opinion and this is my opinion graphic design is the tool for the implementation of of uh, the hierarchy that you present of information on a page or throughout a book when you're dummying a book you need to know where you're placing art throughout so that it flows 
smart from beginning to end. You don't just drop it into blank white space on a page because, oh, there's blank white space there. It needs to make sense in accordance to the last piece of art you dropped maybe two pages ago. So you need to know that sort of thing. And then how headers are presented, the type kind of typography you're using. It, it's a big subject. And so okay. Mark is much more talented than I am, so he's going to have a much different approach to it. Mm-hmm. I just know what it is that I like, how I like presenting books. I can make books look as ugly as some of that third-party stuff that's out there today. I choose not to. I choose streamlined, clean, elegant approaches. But we're getting ahead of ourselves Way ahead again. Of ourselves. Yes, okay. So. so in the 90s, games started to look a lot better. I think Vampire did that with some of its uh from some of its stuff the um the ianis books from DreamPod 9 DreamPod 9 was the company ianis was the company before paint DreamPod 9 they did jovian chronicles they had beautiful stuff fading suns was really pretty and then third edition came along and it sort of ramped everything up and it said here's how crunchy so to speak graphic design can be with all the lines and all the art and i thought there was a really nice logical flow to the presentation of third edition. It was busy at times, but there was a logical flow to the presentation. The problem was is third edition said, hey, it's okay to put a cover with chunky bits on there and no art. They didn't do a piece of art. They did a lot of graphic elements on the covers, mm-hmm. and that opened the door for people to do less work to present books instead of more work to present books. So everything post-third edition starts to get really sloppy in my opinion. Okay. And then fourth edition came along and fifth edition and D&D has tried to change the way it presents books all the time. So it's harder for third parties to keep up. I understand that logic. I do. You throw 7,000 pieces of art into fifth edition, nobody's going to be able to compete with that art budget. And that makes it difficult to look as good as they look. Okay. But the choices that they've made in fifth edition are bad choices. Okay. Now my turn. Uh, firstly, yes, absolutely. Firstly, I, I will, um, if, if, if I may, I'm, I'm going to actually take the definition of graphic design straight from Wikipedia here, okay? Um, because, you know, what they say, if it's in Wikipedia, it must be true. But in this case, it's actually pretty accurate, and I agree, uh, and I agree with one point in particular. The definition is, graphic design is the process of visual communication and problem solving through the use of typography, space, image, and color. Now, what I would, the word I would like to bring the attention to, which I think the reason why so much graphic design fails dramatically is because it doesn't cover this, is the problem-solving bit. And with problem-solving, I think that is what we require a fair bit of um, reasoning and a fair bit of exploration. Because the the issue that I find, and I agree with you, that most of the work that's come out um, in in RPGs, most of the graphic work, is pants. It, it really is. Now, although I think there were some very nicely laid out books in the 80s and early 90s, uh, I think the graphic design itself was actually pretty excellent because it was solving problems. What do I mean with this? Although these days, today, actually, we see books, we barely ever see a box, I am a massive, massive fan of what a box is. When, for me, an RPG is produced, 
a language for the game has to be created. And I don't mean the, 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 the written words language only, that also has to reflect the ethos of the game. But the language of combining the items within the game, the artwork within the game, the graphic design as in the layout that goes with that game as well, and the separation of its components. That needs to create a language of its own that supports the ethos of the game. Does that make sense? I agree with all of that, actually. Okay, so why did I like boxes and why I think that boxes were a massive success from the graphic design point of view? It solves every single problem that a game had. The problem of inspiring because of a role-playing game, and I think this is why it is important to have a beautiful-looking and sometimes necessarily ugly and busy-looking book, because it has to be inspirational. You are meant to convey not just a, um, a product, a game in itself, like a board game might be. You're meant to inspire for people to be able to think in a way that will make the game fit that thinking. For example, if you made the Vampire the Masquerade books look like a D&D book, it wouldn't work at all. You would end up with a, a complete mess. But because it looks different, it looks grittier, it looks simpler, it looks more to the point, and the artwork questionable as it might be in the first editions, but it does what it's supposed to do. It inspires the reader with that language that creates to actually put themselves in a position where they can play the game and understand how that game, how that ethos actually works. Okay, so that's where I think Vampire fails. Okay. I, I agree with everything you said up to a point. Okay. I think where Vampire fails is that it treats itself like a story or a piece of art and it forgets that I have to reference those rules at some point. And going back in that book to find something later is a near impossibility. They are a joy to read. They are a, a horror to reference. And I will say the same thing about this edition of 5th edition. This edition of D&D uh, &D, is that it is a horror to reference. But is that the main point of the books, though, to be referenced? Or is the main point of the book to actually transmit what you're meant to know and give you the understanding you need in order to enjoy your own game, not necessarily the game that's in the book. If that's the agenda, then that's fine. Then then graphic design is almost an afterthought again. And we, I don't, you don't have to worry about it. You could ignore everything that I'm saying if I'm just supposed to read this and enjoy it. But I find it distracting. Uh, I, I find it poorly thought out. I think, you know, I'm looking at page 97 here right now and I don't know why a certain thing is starting one paragraph down instead of at the top of the page, things like that. I don't understand some of these these typography choices. Um, and it's vexing because it takes me out of the moment. It takes me, somebody who's has a trained eye and who's been doing this a long time, it takes me out of the moment of reading the book. And to Owen's point, who Owen was joined us on the conversation online before we started, to Owen's point, he says, well, his fans like what he's doing. Well, that's great. But I bet his fans would like it if he were adhering to more rules instead of less rules, and they wouldn't even notice the difference. Do you understand what I'm saying? 
but somebody uh, like me would notice a difference. I do, but the thing is that books, uh, role-playing games, are not made for people like you. They're made for everyone. Fair and, enough. Uh, fair enough. Fair enough. You know, and, and, and that's why, although I can see where you're coming from, but I cannot accept that uh, just because you find something, just because you've been trained to, to see those, those nuances, that makes the product ugly or unhelpful. I, I think busy is busy. And I think if you're reading this book, you don't have to have a trained eye to know that this page stresses you out and you don't know why. Well, but if you don't know why, then it, it doesn't, it's, it's not for you. You just, it stresses you out and, and then you go away. Uh, I'm, again, I'm, I'm, because I don't have the book in front of me, I cannot really form uh, an informed opinion. I, I, I can only follow with what you say. Sure. Uh, and the only thing I can do is to compare it with a book that is actually busy in a bad way um, because the layout is, is just insanely difficult to read, um, which um, at the moment is I Am Zombie. Um, I, I don't have a copy. It's, it's, a, it's a bit it. of a bummer. I'm absolutely adoring the game. Uh, in the game, you're basically playing a sentient zombie, uh, which is quite insane. It's a very um, adult uh, kind of game, and I'm really am enjoying the setting. But the layout is extremely busy because it combines too many colors with too many fonts and makes the mm -hmm. whole thing way, way too messy. Right. Uh, and it's just difficult to read. It is very, very hard to read. So um, if, if they had simplified that, it may not detract too much from the ethos of the game and it would make it a lot more enjoyable to read. So there is BC and BC. And if a book like Fifth Edition, it's actually, um, it, it has mistakes rather than have being ill-thought from the beginning. It's a different matter altogether. I, I am forgiving of mistakes. Do you think that they are mistakes or is it just that somebody didn't realize that those things were there or, or, or what? I, I think a lot of this is bad decisions. I think a lot of this is mistakes, you know, junior designer mistakes. Mm -hmm. um, page 49 is an absolute mess, for instance. I don't, I don't know what the thinking was. And I know you don't have the book in front of you, but you've got primal paths. The words primal paths is a header, mm -hmm. then two lines of text. And then I start at the next column to read the rest of the text. There's no reason other than the non-white space fetish that goes on in gaming today for that text to start that low on the page. It, it's, it's a poor decision all around. And then they had to fill it with a dragon, which has nothing to do with the barbarian class. So these, these art choices on a page that are just splashed there. Um, I see what they were doing. They wanted to ground everything so all of the art runs off the edge of the page in every direction. Mm -hmm. But there are times when things are running off by maybe three pixels. So it looks like a mistake rather than something that was planned. And it happens a lot over and over and over again throughout the book. And I wonder why things start where they do. And I wonder why there's small caps, which people haven't used since 1986. I wonder why the header looks exactly like the body font. It It is bad choice after bad choice. And so some of what you're saying, yes, is just poor placement. Some of it is gorgeous. I'm looking at some of these pages and I'm thinking, that is genius. I love that. And then I look at other pages, the majority of them, and I just, I grow tired of them trying to splash so much on the page. So again, nobody can copy their look. You know, I'm, I'm not going to find excuses for them. 
I really am not trying to find excuses, but what you're saying to me, it sounds more like that book needed another review before going to print than anything else. So I wonder if they just run out of time or budget or if it needed an extra pair of eyes. Uh, maybe the team is so reduced that they became so accustomed to see what they were saying right. that they couldn't detach themselves enough to say, oh, wait a second, we, we shouldn't have this. Or let's, let's see how we can edit these two paragraphs to actually change lines here so everything can start where it should. So I'm not, I, I, again, I'm not making excuses. Yeah. I just wonder if that is uh, what, what happened there. So let's stop attacking fifth edition. Yeah. And let me talk to you about what I saw two weekends ago when I was at a convention. I was at a convention in Iowa. Mm -hmm. I went out for business actually to talk with uh, somebody, have a meeting. And while I was there, he had a friend uh, at the booth who had released one book. And the book had a lot of great art and really good graphic design, but a lack of understanding of how topography is supposed to work. And so what I saw when I saw that book, and in comparison to all these other ones, by the way, he was hosting, I don't know, 100 different books at the booth from three different companies, and those were all ghastly, just ghastly. Um, and I think you know what I'm talking about when I'm talking about some of these third-party companies that just don't know what kind of fonts to use and where to place them. When I was looking at uh, this one particular book, this this really pretty book that that – that failed at topography. I thought to myself looking at it that this is an element of graphic design that the industry just does never never takes seriously, never never treats with the respect that it deserves. Topography is just another art form. It's it's another skill set that people have to learn to put these books together. And people are paying a dollar a page right now for graphic design, mm. which is 25% of what I was making 10 years ago when I was graphic designing for other people. There's no way I would work for a dollar a page on somebody else's book. So there's a, a very clear reason why all these books look so bad. And I think there is a saying for this. Uh, I think if you pay peanuts, you get monkeys. <laughs> I've never heard that phrase. And I didn't know monkeys like peanuts. Well, um... I guess monkeys are omnivorous and they will eat anything you give them, I suppose. But um, I don't know. That's how the saying goes. And I'm not going to get the, delve into the um, etymology of the thing. Um, Fair enough. <laughs> and I think it's it, that's a fundamental problem with uh, the, the RPG industry and the visuals on the, in, in the RPG industry in particular, since it's, it is what we're talking about tonight. And is that you don't have the budget to create a groundbreaking product every single time, which I believe is what role-playing games uh, should be. So you have all these um, mega tiny little companies that either don't have the budget to do it or they think they can do everything themselves and they can't. Or you have companies who will pay people uh, the right amount of money or at the very least as much money as they possibly can and get great products out there. You know, you get Paizo and you get great products out there. You get Watsi and you get great products out there. They may have more or less mistakes. Let's not delve into that again. But they have great products out there. The, the line of D&D books, the fifth edition, are looking pretty good. They're looking very consistent. They have a very consistent language to each other. Uh, you see the books that Green Ronin puts out and they look very good. Uh, you see the books that Cubicle 7 gets out and they are very good. You see the books that Pelgrim Press get out and they look really good. But you go and take a yeah, look. Yeah, I, I love a lot of what Pelgrane is doing. Pelgrane, yeah. by the way, used to look awful. 
But they have back, changed. And back they in the days, at, but yeah. now, wow. And Hal over at Green Ronin, he knows what he's doing. He knows how to Absolutely. put books together. He Absolutely. knows how – he understands topography actually. Yeah. And he and I are of a similar school of thought when it comes to fonts. Um, so, yeah, no, I love what Hal's doing. And I, and I was purposely not talking about some of these companies that are – one, have people that I know and two, um, that are doing a good job because – I think the glut of stuff out there, as my post was on Facebook that started this whole thing, 95% out of 95 of what is out there offends me. It hurts my eyes and I cannot look at it. Well, I'm only mentioning them because I'm mentioning companies that do things the right, right. way. I, I, right. I, I'm not trying to belittle any company here or, or attack them for for doing anything. They, they are companies I know. Companies I know pay what they can. I understand their ethics. Um, and therefore, I can talk with, you know, I, right. I can I feel comfortable saying that uh, the graphic design in Pellegrin Press's books is just fantastic. Um, there are three columns with the background um, color they have, um, how they use the similar artists for pretty much everything they do, for example, with Trader Cthulhu. Uh, if you take a look at Eternal Lives, the layout of that book is just superb. If you look at the Dracula dossier, it's just absolutely fan-bloody-tastic. You know, Pelgrin can be used as a reference of good work, as so right. Cubicle 7. Yeah, absolutely. You know? I would use any of those three companies as an example of good work. Exactly. So, it, and, it, But I know that I – don't, I don't know the budgets, but I know that those companies also all have good art, so they're clearly paying people exactly. what they're worth. But that's, that's, that was my point. You are paying good people good money to do good work. You don't go out there – and say to people, yeah, I'm going to pay $1 a page and you're going to do a 500 pages. Hey, you're going to get $500. How about this? You're going to get $500 this month for doing my 500 freaking pages book. And it's going to be in the, your name is going to be there. Everyone will know when we win the Ennies, everyone is going to think and know that, hey, you did this. And you never, ever ever be short of work again in the RPG industry and you'll be able to work the rest of your life for $1 a page. How amazing is that? That's bullshit. Yeah. That's bullshit. It is bullshit to go out there and put a in a Facebook group, oh, I'm looking for an artist for my RPG work and I can offer $10 on illustration for a full page. Fuck off. Yeah. Fuck right off. That's bullshit. And I, I don't personally have a problem with, with people that can't afford to pay artists. If you can't, then don't put art in your book. Exactly. Right? It is better to have no art than bad art. Exactly. And I think every publisher agrees with that, and most consumers agree with that. Um, I had to lay out a friend's book the other day. I did it for free simply because he Not sent it. me a PDF, and I couldn't get past the first page. It was so ugly. I said, let me just relay this out for you. It was 40 pages long. I did it in a couple hours. And I handed it back to him. I said, here, just use this because it was that atrocious. And the art in there was subpar. And I went and got some stock art and I put that in there instead. And that's all on me simply because it's a friend and I wanted to help them out. But I can't imagine why some of these publishers can't spend an extra day, just an extra day looking at their manuscript before it goes out, finding some stock art if they have to or cleaning a few things up so that it's legible. The whole thing was done in Verdana. Oh, God. I can't, I can't even understand the logic behind that. Well, there was no logic. I think that the, the point yeah. – you, you made the point earlier. They just don't look at their work. 
but they had hired a graphic designer. The, the publisher, who's a first-time publisher, had paid a graphic art, artist to put it together. Well, I don't know what he paid, but he paid somebody, and well, their choice was and Urbana. And that is the problem, that they, they chose somebody who either didn't understand the product, didn't care about the product, or didn't understand their craft. Because there, there, is, there is no other solution to this, okay? If, if somebody uses a font like Verdana for anything other than making a screen computer appear on the page, <laughs> okay, that, that's, that's, that's it. That's, that's the only right. use for Verdana as far as I'm concerned. Um, they don't know what they're doing. And I'm, for goodness sake, I've never studied typography because I'm dyslexic and I can't stand it. Right. Okay, and I know that. I know that Verdana is not to be used ever so that that was some mistake of choosing the wrong person to do the wrong type of work or paying the wrong amount of money and then not looking at the work and not being able to say or being in a position to say you have to repeat this because it's crap but if you're paying somebody one dollar an hour i don't think you have the moral stand to go back to this person and say do it again because this is not good enough you are given what you're giving and you have to suck it up because right. you're a tight bastard. Right. But we are talking about a lot of third-party companies out there who are successful now, who are making names for themselves, who have big booths at Gen Con. And I'm seeing photos online, so I know they have big booths at Gen Con. I know how expensive that booth is. You can't tell me they can't afford more money for their graphic design. Yeah, and yes, instead – they're putting out rehashed ideas. They're just copying, doing a derivative of what they thought third edition looked like, which was a bad interpretation in the first place. And they're choosing bad topography. They're putting stuff all over the place. They don't have a single white space for your eye to rest. They got to fill it with more garbage so that you have 17 spot art pieces on a spread. And then these books come out and they're just god awful. And I close them as soon as I open them. Because I can't. I can't read them. I, it's it's I, I think, beyond me. I think there are reasons why these people put those books out there and why they have um, uh, big booths at Gen Con. Now, I don't know what companies you're talking about, and I don't care either. It doesn't matter. <laughs> right. Uh, no, it, it, it just doesn't matter. Um, I think the problem with those companies is that they rather spend their money in booths at Gen Con than spending their money in graphic designers and art directors. Right, right. Exactly. And I think that's exactly, because it's an mistake. ego thing, right? To have a big booth at Gen Con. No, it's not. You an get ego to have thing. a big ego for five days. No, 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 no. I disagree with that as well. I don't think it's a matter of ego. I think it's a matter of sales. I think it's a matter of being seen in a light that make people wonder if what you're doing is actually right. And and the thing is, I'm going to say something very controversial here. Uh, I'm going to say something that uh, I'm going to offend a lot of people tough shit but the majority of people are sheep okay they are sheep they, they are just a herd of sheep who don't think for themselves but they will see they will go to gen con you know the best four days in gaming in the fucking world they will see oh this is the largest convention so if you're here you must be somebody and if you have a large booth wow you must be somebody important so i have to look at your work and i'm going to believe because where i'm seeing you means that you are somebody important that what you're producing is good work and i'm not going to look at it in a critical manner i'm just going to believe it's good because it's been produced by somebody who's in a good place and looks good and i think you could you could 
create an umbrella for that statement to be for writing and editing and production all across the board. That's just not that's not just a graphic design thing, right? No, no. But that um, is but, but as soon as you see someone successful, you just assume their work is good. Exactly. Um, you know, yeah. and, and it doesn't work like that. But because people are sheep, they will think. It is, you know, that that's why the Fifty Shades of Grey or the Bloody Twilight um, saga have done so freaking well. You know, not because they're good books, but um, heaven's sakes, they're not. They're shit stories and they're rubbish books at every single corner of a page. And they're written like by a five-year-old plonker. But they become successful. Why? Because people are sheep. They don't think critically about the things they enjoy. They want to enjoy them. They are enjoying them. If they look at them critically, they're going to think, oh, this is crap. I cannot enjoy things that are crap. And therefore, I'm not going to look at this in a critical way so I don't have to believe it's crap so I can keep enjoying it. It's bullshit. And I think the reason why these companies go to Gen Con uh, and have big booths at Gen Con is because they will be seen with the big ones and people will believe they are the big ones and therefore buy their product without questioning it. And I think that works. Sadly, that works. Wow. <laughs> wow. I don't think that was as controversial what? as you think it was, by the way. Sorry? That wasn't, that wasn't as controversial as you think it was. Well, to say that people are sheep, and most of the people who are listening to this, pod, this podcast, the five of them, um, no. Uh, more, we, I, know, I know we have more than five Our listeners. five listeners are not sheep. No, they're not. They wouldn't be listening if they were. No, I know. And uh, Leonard, sorry if you hate us. Uh, we hate you too. Um, I <laughs> love you at times. Pardon? I said stupid Floridian. Yeah. It has to be from Florida. I bet he lives in the Everglades and eats crocodiles. But he's grabbing his phone right now, wishing he could call in. Yeah, damn. I give my phone number and see if he can call Transatlantic. That won't cost him anything. That's hilarious. Yes, it is. So um, the question is, though, uh, and to go to go back, what is the solution? What is the solution? Right. I, I have my own views on this, which I think I've made very clear. I don't know that there's a singular solution. Exactly. That's the best part about graphic design is there's multiple ways to get around things. I think the first thing you need to do is accept that you have a problem, right? If you're a third-party publisher and you're putting out shitty-looking books, accept you have a problem. Admit that you're one of the problems. You know, Stop using Verdana. Stop using these ugly, tired topography. Stop using Times New Roman. For the love of Christ, stop using Times New Roman. I don't know how many times I have to repeat that. That's ridiculous that it's the 21st century and people are still using, one, a typeface that they don't have the legal right to use just because it came free with Microsoft. And two, something as tired as Times New Roman. Studies have been done that people go to sleep reading Times New Roman. So if you don't want to do any research at all on topography and you still want to put out books, then you're on your own. I don't care. Uh, secondly, stop laying out your books in Word. Oh, yes. I, that's going still going on. People are laying out because they don't want to spend the $10 a month for the new InDesign, which you just play, pay the subscription or 10 bucks mm. or 20 bucks a month or whatever it is to get InDesign, lay your book out in InDesign. And, you know, if people don't want to pay, there are freebies out there that will help you do some decent layout. It doesn't have to be a paid thing. Scribus is, is actually pretty good. So there are other alternatives, um, free source alternatives that are better than Word. But if, if, if you're doing things in Word just for doing in Word, uh, sorry, no. But Word should be used for writing and drafting. That's it. Yeah. But layouting, no hell in way. And no. Pete, tons of companies are still doing it, right? 
And the unfortunate part is you can't print a book from Word. You can only do the PDF for download from Word because as soon as you send them a Word PDF, it doesn't have bleed built into it. So stuff is going to get chopped off and you're going to have white trim all around your book. And people that don't know what bleed are should probably go – again, everything's on YouTube. Anything you need to know about graphic design, somebody on YouTube has a video about it. There's no reason to be ignorant about any of the stuff that we're talking about. Learn how to dummy a book. Learn how to make your book flow from top to bottom. Know why you're, why you're ordering a piece of art and where it's going to go. Stop trying to cram 17 characters into a half-page piece of art. It, it's not going to work. Stop ordering art that's so black that when it comes back from a crappy POD printer that it's coming back all black because of the dot gain. Mm -hmm. Learn what the word dot gain means. Go look that up. Yeah. I could go on. No, I, I think that's exactly the, the problem. People are not versed in the technicalities of doing graphic design. They don't understand the problem-solving thing. You know, what problems... Are, and I think it's also the, the problem-foreseeing thing that they, they don't have. You know, what problems am I going to face when I try to create this product? And the thing is that I don't believe that people have a methodology when it's about um, the production of, of a book, um, of, of any kind of RPG product. Uh, most of these third-party companies, they, they just go ahead and go along as they go along. Not right. Uh, Fourth uh, edition is selling. Third edition is selling. Fifth edition is selling. I'm going to bandwagon on that, and I'm going to put out a book as fast as I can. And the first person into the pool, it doesn't matter if they're any good. They were the first one into the pool. But then everybody copies the success of that crappy production instead of making their own success by making things look good or making the content good or whatever no, no, I and we're, I, we I, we could go on about this all day yeah no but i, I didn't i didn't mean that that kind of thing uh, i i meant uh, third party small tiny 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 little companies that are trying to big big ones you know th those are the companies that I'm, I'm talking about that they just go along and they probably have a lesser understanding of what art ordering is and uh, a lesser understanding of how many pieces of artwork am I meant to have inside this book and why and where is this artwork going to go and how is that going to affect the word flow and the page count and how is that going to change the layout of all these subtitles and the headers, where are they going to go? Right. You know, these people, the problem is that they don't understand what problems they're going to be facing and how to solve them. And the only way to do that is to have a well-crafted, as far as I'm concerned, a well-crafted methodology. If you don't have the expertise, have the methodology in which you have to say, okay, uh, I'm going to first, oh yeah, I'm, I'm going to draft my book in Word and I'm going to have it uh, a first round of editing in Word. And then I'm going to do what's going to be my basic layout. I want my basic layout to have uh, the headers in this font and the backgrounds is going to be this font and the subheader is going to be this font and the um, sidebars are going to be this font and the main font is going to be this font and the page is going to have two or three columns or one column or whatever it is. And this is going to be the basic book. This is what it looks like. Now, what's my budget? For art, uh, one thousand bucks. 
How many pieces of art do I want to have? How many pages do I have? 200. I want to have a piece of artwork within every 10 pages. So I can afford to pay X amount of money, $50, for each illustration. How, what kind of illustrations can I have for that? You know, that is the kind of uh, methodology that people don't follow. Uh, and, and that's why they end up with illustrations in the wrong place. Uh, they never end up with a second round of editing to find out if all the headers and all the subheaders are meant to be starting in the right places and everything is meant to start in the right page. And unless uh, producers start to have that kind of discipline, um, they're going to keep producing shite. When I was doing freelance for other people, I would send them updates as I went to show them progress. Mm -hmm. So if there's something they wanted to change now, tell me now so I have less reflow as I get later into the book. And it, it never failed. Nobody looked at any of those. They would wait until the entire document was done, and then they would start complaining about things like the type size, or they would complain about placement of art, and so on and so forth. So even when you hold the hands of some of these people, they're still not, they're still not doing their half of the job. Uh, yes. And, uh, and, uh, and I think uh, getting back to 5e, I think a lot of these mistakes are lazy. To be honest, uh, maybe I, uh, again. I, I think they had all the money in the world to do this right. They have on staff graphic artists and graphic designers who know what they're doing. They had a lot of money put into art, and I think they made lazy decisions. Um, could be uh, without having somebody from Watsi here, um, without me being able to take a look at the books. I I just cannot argue with you, right? Because, because I, I I just don't know. I I can tell. I really can tell. But I'm gonna say that that is not. Um, just in this industry that happens what you described because I've been in other industries when I was doing e-learning and we had exactly the same problem it, it made no difference whatsoever if you just gave the client one module for them to review and say whether they liked it or not they wanted to see the whole thing and if you gave them a module and they said yes we like this and then you give them a, a module that and it had something slightly different they would just not understand where that came from. It was completely impossible for them to get their right. heads around it. Uh, and I think um, people want to see the finished product. So if you give them a chapter, you know, say that in an RPG, you give them the chapter on character creation because they cannot see how the rest, how it's going to flow with the rest. Right. They, they just cannot say to you, um, yeah, that's okay, let's go on with the second part. They would say, no, give, give me a feats and, and give me equipment. And that, give me that's the, the hobby across the board and everything, though. That's yeah. not just RPGs. That's board games. You can't just give somebody an outline of what the board game is you're going to design. They have to see the whole thing. You can't give them a sketch of a logo. You have to give them the finished logo. Yes. I think the hobby is inundated with uncreative people who can't make a decision without a finished product. I think uh, that's one of the ten kinds of clients. If you go online, you read those lists, the ten worst clients. Mm -hmm. The one that can't make a decision until they see it in front of them. Yeah. I'll know it when I see it. Ah, that's bullshit. I don't have time to make 20 iterations for you. I used to work for Sony, and I would send them one thing and like make them make a decision on that one thing when I was doing graphic design on DVD wraps. And I would say, make a decision on this one thing. I'm not sending you 20 iterations for you to choose from because we'll never be done that way. And Sure enough, when you give them one thing to look at and you, you, you give them clear instructions, this is what you're choosing from, these are the decisions you're making on this cover, then your work goes easier and they get better work out of it.
Uh, absolutely. But I think the problem is, as you say, this very, um, you say that there's very uncreative people in the hobby. I, I am going, well, yeah, there are an awful lot of very uncreative people in the hobby. But I'm also going to say that there are an awful lot of creative people in very specific fields. And the problem is that those people are trying to get on the role of everything else. For example, there might be people who are very creative writers or very creative storytellers, but that doesn't mean they are very creative art directors or very creative graphic designers, and still they are making decisions on graphic design and art direction. Sure. But because their creativity is just not there. And I don't think it's fair to expect that everybody has to be creative in every single thing, you know, just because you say, oh, I'm very creative. That doesn't mean that you're creative on every aspect, on every field. You're just creative at some aspect that you like or you're good at. Right, so, but know your strengths. Surround yourself exactly. with people that know how to do that stuff. Yes, exactly. But that is the problem, that because they think they don't have money or they simply say, you know, there are, we, we all know there are companies out there that say, oh, no, I'm able to do everything myself. I, I can do everything myself. I want to do everything myself because... Let's face it, I don't want to say this out loud, but I am a control freak and I just don't like anybody to be better at anything that I do. Sure. So, you know, there, there are companies like that, more than one. More than one. So I fit 50% of what you just said, so. Yeah. I didn't want to refer to you directly. To you. No, 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 I knew you met me. It's, no, I didn't. It's fine. Actually, not necessarily. But it's not because it's not I'm a control freak, it's just because of how I operate. I move too fast. I don't have time to wait for somebody. I don't. I'm not going to wait for somebody to turn in a logo when I can do it in 15 minutes. Uh, yeah, but that's that's a different matter altogether. Um, I, I, I know I, it's a different matter altogether. Yeah. I was just speaking to what you're talking about. There are people out there that are control freaks because they need to control every little thing. Yeah. And then there's people that are doing it all themselves because that's just the most efficient way to do it. Well, except that it isn't. And, and that is where we get into a completely different dynamic and why... Um, the 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 problem that you have with I cannot wait for any for everyone else or anyone else to do it, that is also an issue that an awful lot of these small companies that try to be big and jank on half, they need to produce very fast, very quickly, and if they have to wait for somebody to do the layout, um, then they cannot do it. And let's face it, good layout takes longer to do than bad layout. And in fact, if you're producing layout very quickly, the chances are that you're producing bad layout. Because you need to look at it carefully and more than once to do good layout. That, that's, that's just the way it is. So unless you're incredibly good at it, layout takes time. So some people will do what you do. And personally, I think that never ever produces the best result you can get, ever. I, I think there's some truth to what you're saying. Absolutely. Of course there's some I truth. I think I have worked on a lot of teams, mm -hmm. and I find the majority of people in this industry, when I am on their team, they can't keep up with my pace. And they seem to think that you have an infinite number of hours to work on something when you don't. You have to get product, especially when you're on a schedule, right? We were churning out books every three weeks at Asshat, and I was – writing and designing my own book line every two months by myself. Every two months I had to put out a book. And I didn't have time to sit around and wait for the graphic artist or, you know, the editor to come back with notes. The editor, by the way, who didn't even speak English as a first language. 
So there are teams that just suck at what they do because they don't gel. Yes, but they can all be masters at what they do. But if they don't gel, if they don't have a common uh-huh. goal, which get this book done, what does it matter? Okay, and and that is another problem that I feel um, people don't try to solve, which is the common language. Th- this is what I was talking about earlier when I said that, for example, um, uh, Dark Sun. The 1994 uh, box, Mm -hmm. first edition. I still treasure that box as being absolutely perfect because it had its own language. You look at any Dark Sun from that age uh, product and you can say, without even looking at the title, you can tell this is Dark Sun because it had that language. It, It had that way of communicating what the game was all about what the setting, what the world was all about. Right. And that's because everything gelled together. The, and, the, and here's the other thing, right? Yeah. If you're a company and you know you're going to put out a core book and then 20 expansions to it, 20 splat books to it, right? Mm-hmm. And segue, I think Dark Sun's the best fantasy world ever made. It's my favorite and I agree with everything you said. If you're going to do this 20 game line and you know they're all going to look the same with the same trade dress, you can afford to spend more money on that first book to make it look good because you know that all you're going to be doing on the following books is topography and art placement. You don't have to order, order new sidebars. You don't have to order new textures for the background. You don't have to pay somebody to make up a clever looking page number or choose new fonts. Exactly. But that comes with an added difficulty, which I think has to be acknowledged. Um, for example, let's look at, you know, fifth edition or even fourth edition, if you like, which I have all, all every single book that was published. Yes, I liked it. Okay, listeners, I liked fourth edition. Get over it. Oh, man, now, I'm going to turn off here in a second. Shut up. Um, <laughs> right, the, the difficulty is that you are designing a look and feel. You're designing that language that I was talking about for books you don't know are going to exist in the future. And it has to fit. That is a mammoth task. And I mean mammoth. Because that look and feel of the player's handbook and the GM's handbook and the monster manual of 5th edition or 4th edition or 3rd edition, that has to work because the line has to look similarly. That has to work for the manual of the planes, for the curse of the strad, or for the My Pony Little D&D game that may be coming out in the next two years whatever it has to fit so how do you design something that is flexible enough to actually fit with anything that may or may not come in the future that is hard that's really really tough which is why i don't think you can produce something that will fit 100 percent to everything it just sometimes won't and you have to live with that and be understanding of it i think no i agree i think dnd5 itself is a, a singular product the f- the first three core books and they can't do world books that look the same as this i agree with that they have to make different decisions but i think if anything else is generic fantasy which this is it should be following the same rules the same language as you call it i call it signifiers by the way okay well, but uh yeah it needs to follow the same language of of how you of how you present the information exactly so it's that's why, um, okay, I, I will agree with you that for the first two or three books, 
that should never ever happen that you have that kind of mistakes you know that that look and feel that should be solid and consistent like anything simple as that it, it has to be so right. if there are mistakes in there i think they either didn't have the the the, the eyes that they needed they didn't have the people they needed or maybe the time uh, which equates the budget uh, that they needed but for anything else that's, that comes out later on I can be forgiving if I see something and say, oh, that doesn't really look, um, you know, as, as anything else. I mean, for example, if you look at the artwork for the covers in fourth edition, I, I think some of them were incredibly poorly chosen. Very, very poorly chosen. Beautiful illustrations, but they, they just want to be, why is this style here when you have something completely different someplace else? It doesn't make sense. So I'll tell a funny story about um, Asshat when I was working there. Um, we had a marketing director who I cannot stand, and I, I hope someday he gets boiled in his own fluids. Um, he would not get involved with the project until everybody was done doing their job. And he was the marketing director, but he also called himself the creative director, which means mm. that he could overrule us on anything. We built style guides for for particular lines where we would say art frames need to be this size to fit half page or art needs to be this big to fit on a card or whatever. We would order to specific dimensions with the style guide knowing how big things needed to be. And then when the final came time – when it came time to make the final graphics that he would approve, he would change dimensions so that oh. art wouldn't fit the way it was supposed to fit. So stuff would get cropped incorrectly or it would just look – like somebody was missing from a shot because they actually were missing from a shot. And you have people, and I can't say that we were unique in this. You have people who don't get involved until the last minute, the 11th hour after all the work is done. And then they decide they need to thumbprint it instead of letting the work stand for itself. That is so, so terrible. Somebody who calls themselves a marketing director and creative director you have a problem in that company. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that that was probably the simplest problem we had at that company. Wow. Um, yeah, wow. yeah I, I, think that that, I think that that kind of problem exists, though. Not specifically that problem, but that kind of problem exists where people come in at the 11th hour and they want to thumbprint it or they say, oh, there's not enough, there's not enough pirates or enough zombies or enough ninja or enough women in any of these pictures. Order more art. Rush, 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 rush. And then the art comes in and then all the pirates look awful and they don't look like the original series because you can't get the same artists because you're rushing now. I think that's just a lack of thought. I mean, that, that is a lack of understanding of what the product is meant to be. You know, that, that is sure. why having a good art director is, is such an important um, thing because the art director is meant to not just choose what kind of um, things, what kind of illustrations you're meant to have, but what, what kind of, you know, what kind of everything... Uh, visually speaking, you you are. What is the have. game going to feel like? Yeah, right, exactly, exactly. exactly. So, um, and an awful lot of companies don't do that, uh, and then people will look at things, and I think this happens also very often that they would say, "Oh, I don't like it, therefore I'm right." Without, <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Without thinking, yeah. "Oh, wait a second, okay, I don't particularly like it, but you know, maybe that guy knows better his work than I do." I'm just going to trust this is what they're meant to do because I chose this guy because he's very good and I know he's very good because blah, whatever. Right. And and to get back to 
Owen, who was in the conversation earlier online. Who is it an absolutely matter amazing I, person. By the way, Owen, you are amazing and we love you. Sorry. Owen, you're okay and we like you. Hey, stop it. Uh, Owen can ignore every fucking thing that comes out of my mouth for all he wants. It's my position on what I think a book should look like and how I think information should be presented. But it's his decision at the end of the day and – I, I don't actually have much of an opinion about his work. I've I've stated that I would like to see more uniformity on on some things when we talk, but at the end of the day, if his fans like it, ignore me. But when I'm looking at something at a game convention and I see a company that I know is only selling 50 or 100 copies of something and text is running into the logo or text is running into the page number, it's not an opinion anymore that that's wrong. That's a fact that that's wrong. Yes, I know, but... I think, and this is something that we discussed in the last podcast, a matter of finding the balance as to what, what, what you're prepared to compromise in order to get some sales, which I think is what Owen uh, what was. Yes. No, I think it's exactly what Owen was, was saying, you know, that, yeah, it's, it's fair enough, but you have to sell things. And if making things look fancy, uh, attractive and in- interesting is going to mean that you're going to get a, I don't know, 5% increase in sales, then so be it because right. you know making money is something that people need to you know pay for insurances and food you know these trivialities um and i, I that, trivialities. <laughs> um, and, and i think that is the compromise that every um creative person in the industry has has to reach and i, I think that that's a convenient umbrella to stay, I think in, in a lot of cases it's true, but I think a lot of these people aren't compromising. They just don't know any better. I've um, seen some awful banners at yeah. Gen Con, and I have to think who approved that before it was put up. Yeah, no, I, I, I completely agree with that. Okay, let's, let's, um, let's differentiate the people who just don't have a clue with the people who are pandering to the buyer. Who I, sometimes I understand is it might be quite hard to differentiate. But there are those people who you will look at their books and say, oh, bloody hell, what the fuck were they thinking? And what they're thinking is, this is what people want to buy. And I need people to buy things because, you know, um, I don't want to have cancer and spend the rest of my life having to pay for the treatment because I can't afford the insurance. <laughs> um, if you're going to make it that drastic, nobody can have an opinion no, but at all come on, on this topic. It happens. It, it, it does happen. It does happen. It does happen, but I don't Sadly know how that has anything to do with obeying the basic rules of graphic design. Because if people are more interesting, as the sheep are more interesting in buying things that don't look good because they look fancy, then you have to make them look good because even if they don't look fancy, and if that means breaking the laws of graphic design, then so be it. Because that will mean sales. You know, if that means having... Uh, busy layout with uh, busy illustrations, fine. If that means having busy covers, so you can sell more things, so you can afford your basics, fine. So be it. And that is the compromise that some people are more or less prepared to break. You, I know that you are not prepared to, to go over that compromise and, and produce books that you would consider to be ugly or busy. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't want to put out a book that I don't like. The problem, is that, the problem with you, particularly, is that you like a very specific thing. Uh, That's not true. I have mm-hmm. a, a wide range of things that I like. Then, um, well, I just think that only so many of them belong in the gaming industry. Well, and, you know, if people buy them, 
even if you think they don't belong, then they belong. <laughs> that, that's it. We should have just started the whole conversation with that. We would have been five minutes instead of 55. I know, but we, we like talking. We like talking to each other. You know, <laughs> we love do us like to talk. But you always end on these nearly patronizing, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, these these points, not really points is what I'm trying to say. These patronizing uh, uh illustrations or elements of, of the conversation that just make it so easy to just say, well, here's our compromise. The compromise is somewhere in the middle road. Why did we start if we're always going to get to the middle road? Why is that patronizing? I'm not patronizing you. I'm, I'm not using the right word.